Good morning, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, we have a great opportunity this morning for our teaching team and its entirety to, to share some thoughts as we wrap up our series on Disrupted by Love. Um, I'm not sure what order everybody is seeing all, but um, we have Gail Kay, our uh, connections coordinator. We have John Safarian, our director of student ministries. We have David Carlson, one of our youth leaders and all around great guy. We have Carrie Stratton, one of our elders, and we have Leanne Petrick, our director of outreach and operations. So that is the that is the team. And as you have seen, if you've been with us for a little bit, they share in the, the teaching responsibilities. And this morning, we are going to um, kind of finish up our zoomed out look on the gospel Christmas accounts as we seek to understand what it means to be disrupted by love, what the impact is of the love of Jesus. And as I talked about last week, we kind of take a step back rather than zeroing in on a specific character or a, a specific portion of the, the Christmas accounts. We pull up to that big picture look and we, we see um, some, some different things, maybe some additional things to be picked up on. And we're going to end our discussion this week with what it is to be impacted by love. So we look at the various um, people who are involved, um, like the, the, the Magi who were drawn to, um, to worship and generosity. And we look at the shepherds who are drawn to worship and, and mission. We look at Joseph and Mary, who, whose lives were maybe disrupted more than anybody's by Jesus and his love. Um, but the obedience that we see from them. And so that's kind of the question that I've posed to our teaching team is how have they as individuals um, been disrupted by love? What effect has Jesus's love had upon them? And then um, what, if anything, do as they listen to each other talk now, um, what is stirring up in their minds about what the impact of love could be? or um, as they think about other, other biblical accounts. So with that, um, I will just kind of turn it over to these guys. Folks, what, what do you think? What is, what is disrupted by love look like? What is it, the impact of Jesus' love been on you? Who wants to, who wants to go first? First of all, did you mean to say a zoomed out look at love with a Zoom call? That's, that was a pretty good start to this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I'll start. Um, this has been a really awesome series and not in any part um, made sort of, or probably in more part made more impactful for me having to prepare that first message just to see the breadth of God's love and to really like spend time thinking about what, God's love looks like and those three points that we talked about the sacrificial intentional and unconditional just made me realize that his love is so huge that like our response needs to be so huge as well and sometimes that feels overwhelming but sometimes it actually makes it like really easy because there's just so many ways you can respond to God's love and um, I think this year has been challenging with that but it's been you know it's actually made me have to think how do I love how do I show God's love you know and I, I've enjoyed that process so um the, the process has been good but did you hmm. not but what what specific areas did you see that 
and yeah so one thing that really has been big for me and it's been a lot to do with what's been going on in the country this year and that is about loving people that I normally don't come into contact with in my daily like week and thinking there are a lot of people that have a lot of barriers naturally in their life when we think about um you know african-american situation with the black lives matter and just like the 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 systemic racism that they're like their life already has lots of barriers built into it and me as a person of privilege you know often i don't even think about that but i now have been thinking a lot about how do we um love these people who we know god is like more than capable of breaking down these barriers but like how do i participate in that and how do i so for me, like especially as the director of outreach, I've been thinking a lot about as a community what we can do um, to sort of enact long-term change for people's lives and how they can see God's love in that. Great. Great. Thank you, Leanne. Great, great start. Guys, what else? Well, I was thinking about one of uh, those adjectives that you used in the beginning, uh, Leanne, uh, un his unconditional love <clears throat> and what that means. And one way I translate it is his un Jesus is unconditional and non-judgmental love. And that's an area that I struggle in struggle with in my secret self is being judgmental of people who think differently than I do, or maybe act differently than I do. And uh, even though I might not always show it, sometimes I know it's in there um, and just a, I can be, have a critical nature inside. And I probably do show it sometimes too, to some people, but um, I was, that has really impacted me to work on that part of myself that is judgmental when Christ's love is not that at all. And a quote, um, one of my favorite Billy Graham quotes that I think a lot about, and this year, especially with, um, you know, the political unrest and COVID, um, he said, let me get this right. Um, it is a spirit's job to convict God's job to judge and our job, my job to love. And I think of that a lot that it's not my job to judge or be critical. It's my job to love people that don't think the way I do um, or act the way I do. So for me, that's something I've really been concentrating on um, as I think about Christ's love coming in and receiving that with one hand and then giving it out in uh, with the other hand, um, in a non-judgmental way. Wow, Carrie, thank you for um, for keeping it real and just being, <laughs> you know, being willing to to share that side. That's 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 good stuff. But don't you all worry; it's not like I'm critical of all of you all the time. <clears throat> <laughs> thank you, thank you for clarifying. Yeah. And I don't know, like this is yeah, perfect. What else, guys? And the same idea of God's unconditional love and unconditional grace. Um, I think we're all familiar with passages in the New Testament where the disciples do something, for lack of a better word, silly or stupid, and Jesus loves them anyway. You know, we all think about Peter's denial and, you know, just the disciples were a bunch of knuckleheads and they did silly things, but Jesus still loved them. 
Um, but there was, there was a passage um, that stuck out to me that I never really made a connection of like, oh, Jesus is showing the disciples grace. Like we always think about Peter denying three times, Peter denying Jesus three times and then Jesus showing grace. But and the very last page of the Bible when Jesus's best friend, John's getting like the vision of revelation, all those crazy ideas, dragons and yada, yada, yada. Um, an angel is giving him this vision. And John, again, who wrote four books of the Bible, Jesus's best friend, he bows down and starts to worship the angel. Like he should know better. <laughs> Why is he worshiping an angel? And the angel says, stop, you person get up i am not god this is not good and but the angel still gives him like the message from jesus like jesus still uses him to write down that book of the bible it's not that john got this huge vision john messed up and jesus goes oh now i have to go find bartholomew um you clearly <laughs> messed this up oh where's peter you know uh, no like even though peter messed up Jesus still gave John that message and that vision to write down and to send out um, to the churches. So that was just a unconditional grace story that just has never really jumped out to me. And it just reminded me that like, no matter how silly or, you know, dumb I am, um, God's grace will always be there for me. That it's not going to leave me. That's cool, Scruff. Thank you. Gailey, David. I'll go. <laughs> um, <clears throat> this year, I've definitely had a shift in thinking about God's love for me. Um, a kind of early fall, I started a devotional called Renovation of the Heart, and it had a definition of love that is um, by Dallas Willard, and it's that it's the genuine inner readiness to secure the good of others. And I just love that. And I'm a doer. So to me that, and I like purpose and having, so to me at the beginning of the devotional, I was like, oh, I can do that. I can try to secure the, you know, good, good for others above myself. And, but as I kind of went through this devotional, it really shifted my thinking in terms of that you can't do that just on your own will to be better and love people better. And, um, you know, we talk a lot at Crossroads about stirring our affections for Jesus. And I think the big shift for me this year has been realizing that I'm really incapable of, of doing that without really being plugged in and having my own affection stirred for God and loving God and having a relationship with him. And um, so here, this is another quote from the devotional, but it said, um, it's the love of God, admiration and confidence in his greatness and goodness and the regular experience of his care that frees me from the burden of having to be self-seeking. And I just love that idea of the experience of his care. And I think this year I've really, um, you know, found some longer retreat time and more time by myself. And um, even though I think of by myself time or time with Jesus as selfish, sometimes I think previously I have had a, just a huge shift and I need to fill my bucket, you know, in that time with God. And that really does allow me the freedom to love other people because my needs are being met. So I think um, God's been working on me in that uh, over this year. 
Yes. Could you repeat that definition you said in the beginning? Mm -hmm. I really liked that, but I didn't catch the whole thing. Sure. It's he, he defines love as the genuine inner readiness to secure the good of others. Wow. I love I really that. Like I that. love that. I love that because so many verses about love are things like outdo each other with honoring Honor. people and love, love at all times. And <laughs> like, it's really extreme language. And I right. love how you said about that. We need to be resourced to do that. And when we're resourced by spending time with Jesus, it actually doesn't become like this extreme thing we have to do. It just becomes something that flows out of the reserve that we have. So right. I love that. Mm. Yeah, and that whole that whole idea is more. I mean, it's more Dallas Willard stuff, but it's the idea of just being the kind of people mm-hmm. who love, and the, being the kind of people who, you know, our our second nature is to have others in mind. That whole other other orientation. Not that that's something we have to work on or checklist, but that's just how we respond. That's just who we are. Mm-hmm. What we do. Mm-hmm. All right, David, you're looking very serious. What do you have for us? Something that's been on my heart and mind for some time now is that when Jesus is approached with a question or a request, a plea, whatever it is, he always addresses the actual heart behind mm-hmm. it. And that, that, go, that goes when he needs to be harsh as well as when he needs to be compassionate. When someone is coming at him in order to trap him, he reads the heart. He knows the heart. Um, and he addresses that. So for me, the, the, biggest, the biggest thing I've been trying to do for months and months and months, really being intentional about doing, is... <clears throat> Even if someone is saying something that I completely disagree with, if someone is saying something that I find appalling or coming from a completely different moral perspective, there is always a reason why they think that. There's always a reason why they feel that way. And so what I have been really confronted by and challenged to do by Jesus's example is even though I, I don't know everyone's heart right off the bat, I don't have that kind of access for us. It goes back to what James says about how we ought to be quick to hear and slow to speak Mm -hmm. and definitely slow to anger. Because as much as those, as much as sometimes I'm having a conversation with someone and I'm inclined to get angry because I'm hearing what they're saying, when I really listen and I ask questions that get down to the heart of the matter and understand why they feel the way they do, it's not even about trying to change their mind. It's about trying to understand where they're coming from so that at the very least, even if I end up disagreeing, they know that they were listened to. And in my experience, I've had conversations with people who Um, in a lot of circles, I've heard things where, you know, they just don't want to, they don't want to hear you. They don't want to listen to you. It doesn't matter if you disagree with them. That means you hate them, all that stuff. There's this kind of antagonism and these assumptions, but I have talked to many of those kind of people, people who disagree with me and who are assumed to just hate you because you disagree with them. And I found that 
you can very quickly get to a level of mutual respect simply by listening and getting to the heart of it. And because I'm not Jesus, because I don't know their heart and I don't know absolute truth all the time, uh, you know, the Bible, the Bible is applicable to all of life, but it doesn't, it doesn't give an ABC answer to every question we have. Um, when I read it, I read it with my own uh, presuppositions. I read it with my own assumptions. And so another thing I've been really, really trying to, to be careful of is um, something I read, which was basically that there, there's a, there's a, I think it's called the, I, I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically a, you, you have a bias to what you learned first, whatever you learned first, that is what you assume is true. And you judge everything else by that. And if what you learned first was true, that's super helpful. But we just need to be really careful that we don't reject anyone's other viewpoint simply because we haven't heard it yet. Um, so those are kind of the things, having that attitude of Christ, listening to people, making them feel heard before I respond, and then also being aware that unlike Jesus, I am extremely limited in my knowledge and my ability to sense a person's heart and to allow my mind to be changed um, when there is wiggle room in in uh, when the, you know when the Bible is not super super clear about something, it could be my presuppositions that I'm believing as opposed to the actual truth. Good thoughts, David. Thank you. Um, I think for me, just just quickly, like um, the impact of of God's love. Like I, I mean, this sounds silly given my age, but I'm, I think I'm only beginning to understand that God's love for me doesn't change regardless of how successful I am or how much or how little I accomplish. Um, and that has, you know, almost endless implications for, for how I live and how I feel about myself and how I, how I treat other people. Um, in terms of what I'm convicted of, I think I'm um, fall in line with like the, the shepherds and just like, I really, especially over the last four or six weeks, just like, have this growing um, burden on my heart for people who don't know, know Jesus to, to know him. And I don't know if that's a, you know, I know it's the Holy spirit at work in me, but I don't know if it's, you know, the function of the times that are just kind of multiplying the, um, my perspective of the need for that or, or what it is. But <clears throat> I think those things would be um, kind of where I'm, I've been convicted by, by Jesus's love because his love does, does and should it should change us when we experience perfect unconditional intentional sacrificial love it absolutely should change us any other thoughts guys kind of just I just something i heard oh sorry leanne no go go Scott. well no something i heard recently that that um made me just ponder about love um this pastor was saying how like love is like sacrificial action um accompanied by emotion and he made the point that he was kind of, he was talking to the guys and he was like, guys, is that, this does not mean that love is void of emotion. Um, like there's this stereotype, but you know for me to like love someone like, oh, I just need to do something. I don't have to feel anything. Um, emotions and feelings are bad. Stuff down. Don't, <laughs> don't cry. Don't show emotion. But he goes, no, 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 no. Read, read the Psalms. Read all those songs mm -hmm. David wrote. 
you know, love is action accompanied by emotions. You know, the emotions are good. You shouldn't also be led by emotions. That shouldn't be your main motivation. But emotions are good. They're there. They're God-given. Um, and I still remember, like, when we went through the Psalms last year, like, emotions are good. They're not a bad thing when it comes to, like, loving people and stuff. So that idea that it's accompanied by emotions has just mm. been in my mind recently. Like, emotions are okay when it comes to love. And we, we see that perfectly embodied in Jesus, right? That, that, that action and, and emotion brought, brought together. I mean, I think about like Mary and, and Martha, like Lazarus's tomb and, and the action and the emotion that was present there. Mm-hmm. Leanne, what were you going to, what were you going to say? Um, I was just going to say the obedience part um, and just a bit sort of going off what you said and even what Scroft just said then is like that we really like when the first step is like looking up from ourselves (laughs) all the time and just like so often that when we're so worried about chasing our own stuff like whether it be success or you know safety of our kids or you know like having enough money or whatever it is it's like when you are so focused on that it really does shut you down from even seeing what's around you and seeing like who who god has put in your way or having emotion like scratch said for and compassion for people in other situations because we're so like in this tunnel of our own stuff and i just that obedience to like lay our stuff down, my stuff down and like to be trusting god for all those things first so that i can just look up and look around has been really um something i, I was thinking about the magi they saw the star but then they had to like walk a long way like to get there you know like they had to they still had to sort of put their own things. They didn't just go, oh, God, make the start, you know, make everything happen right here where we are. So it's easy for me to just meet Jesus. It's like it, there's that work involved, but it's that laying yourself down and getting yourself out of the way so you can feel and see and love, you know, outside of what's going on in your own little world. Yeah, that kind of connects to uh, the other big, bigger thought I had on this subject. And um, I'm doing a great devotional, uh, Christmas devotional this month by Ann Boskamp, one of my favorite people. But she mentions um, that John Calvin, uh, you know, a great theologian from long ago, uh, used the term that we should be ravished with wonder when we stop to to worship and to look um, around us at what, you know, all that God has created and done and connecting with what Scruff said, the emotion in that. And I have been trying to um, really just stop to think. I mean, things like the fact that our world, as scripture says, just hung in space, our earth and goes around itself you know, we travel a thousand miles an hour, but we don't even know we're, we're glued through gravity to, to be on the earth. And, um, you know, just the intricacies of the way the human body works and heals itself. And that a woman can actually create a human being, you know, inside her. I mean, it's just like crazy to really think. And that, that term being ravished, by wonder and God and all that he does, not just in creation, but in the miracles that we've seen and, and to, to spend time worshiping him and thinking about those things. Um, so that's, 
kind of connects with what you guys were saying and another way to love Jesus back as he loves us that way. Yeah, it's a great phrase, ravished with wonder. Um, we have just a, a couple more minutes left. Any, any, other, any other thoughts? I think jumping onto what Scruff was saying, a big part about, uh, I should say a big reason to allow yourself to feel those emotions while you are loving somebody is because being vulnerable and being open to that person is itself an act of love. Because it is a choice for us to be to be vulnerable, to let the other person know, hey, I'm actually feeling, this affects me emotionally. It's, it, it's, it's difficult and it's a brave thing to do, but it really, really means a lot to a person when they can tell you're not just, you know, tossing money at them or tossing something at them to, to make them go away, but you're actually doing it because you care. That makes a big difference. Gail, did you have something you wanted to share? Well, I think uh, in terms of the convicting piece, the shepherds are what stuck out to me too, in terms of them just giving the glory to God. And um, I got to be in Dan and Stacy's um, Bible study on the Holy Spirit. And as we were kind of wrapping up our study, we kind of, we focused on how, you know, um, God uses our weakness and that's how he shows his glory shows the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think the convicting piece to me is back with my friends who don't know Jesus is really pointing uh, back to God for the peace he gives me and the confidence he gives me and the love he gives me instead of um, maybe just letting the people around me think that I'm pulling that out of my own personal resources, but really making sure that I, that I point my gratitude back to God and give him the glory like the, the shepherds did. So I thought that was convicting for me also. That's great. Yeah. Gotta love when the Holy Spirit does his work in us. Second mm -hmm. Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I just wanted to give you that verse today as an encouragement you guys have been so generous throughout this year in your giving. It has allowed us to do um, so much for the people in our very own community, for the people in the greater Fairfield County area, and of course, our friends uh, at GCEC in Kenya. So as you think about um, your regular giving, your regular tithes and offerings, and maybe even some special year-end giving, to be encouraged that um, what you have is from God and that as you go about seeking to grow his kingdom and do his work, he will bless you at all times so that you are able to continue in that way and to continue to be generous and continue to grow his kingdom. So again, thank you for your generosity, which we ask God to take and multiply and do far more than we could ever ask or imagine. All right. Um, so that's that's about it for our time. Um, really, really appreciative of you guys taking time out to to help us get this done and to share your thoughts with with our community uh, as as a group. Um, I am going to wrap us up with a, a word of prayer. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you um, for your birth, the reason why we celebrate Christmas. Um, we thank you for your love, which is so life altering. Uh, we thank you that it has the ability to fill us to overflowing. Lord, may we be the kind of people who allow that to happen, who put um, ourselves in front of you, um, who would slow down enough to give you the time to speak to us, to um, reveal your word to us in scripture. And God, that that would change us. And in, and in so doing, we would be able to change um, the lives of those around us and, and in Fairfield County and, and beyond. God, we thank you for the gift that Crossroads is to each of us um, and, and what it means and what it will mean in the coming days and weeks and months and years ahead to, um, to our area. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you. Amen.